Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everyone? This is the Ty and Bob pod <laughs> reprised. Is that the word I'm looking for? Uh, rejuvenated. Bob McGinn wearing the four or five. If I make that reference, Bob, do you know what I'm talking about? That you're no. Wearing the four or five? No. No. Okay. It's Michael Jordan when he came back with the Chicago Bulls in 1995. Remember, he wore 45. Hmm. I kind of dropped out during that era, T. You, dr- you dropped out of the NBA in the mid-90s? You were done? I was awesome in the 60s and most of the 70s, okay? But then I dropped out and I kind of stayed dropped out. You loved the NBA like- when games were on tape delay and there was no three-point <laughs> shot and it was just boring as hell to watch. That's what you're telling me. I like those Celtics, Knicks, 76er games back, you know, in the early 60s, mid-60s. It was great stuff. So you're, you're talking Bob Cousy. Uh, yeah. I almost said Dave Collins. You were before Dave Collins. You would have been. Yeah. I mean, I liked him, but you know, Bill Russell, the Joneses, yeah. Bill Sharman. Havlicek. Dolph Shays of the Nats, you know, I mean, all kinds of stuff. Started watching it probably in 59. And there was only like one game on a week. You know, it was appointment viewing. You had to see this, you know. Then Michael Jordan came out of the scene and you said, this is not for me. I do not like this game. I just, I don't know. And I've never gone, I love the college game and the prep game. I follow those, you know, every year unflinchingly, but I slipped away from the NBA (laughs) team. Well, this is long overdue. It's good to see you, hear you. We obviously talk on the phone from time to time and everybody's been reading your, you know, exceptional McGinn file series and the I don't even know what the final count was on your Packers series maybe it was 14 or 15 parts Bob but you recapped uh 43 years of covering the Green Bay Packers as only Bob McGinn can it was it was fantastic and we cannot thank everybody out there enough for subscribing for reading um if anybody deserves to kind of reflect look back it is the hardest working man in the biz right here Bob McGinn so um you know, we did we did say at the beginning of the season though that there would be, you know, a few podcasts uh, touching on the Packers of today, and we did one at the midseason point, and we have to do one now. Um, and we're going to kind of do a couple, Bob. So we, in our uh, our brief briefing ahead of this podcast, we decided to kind of talk about the game for this episode against Detroit. Um, a lot like we did last year where you took it position by position and dissected um, the ups, the downs, all that. And then we're going to think big picture next week. We'll do a podcast kind of zooming out on the Green Bay Packers. And obviously we'll have a lot of written coverage on where in the hell this team goes from here, chipping away at stuff on my end. But Bob, first things first. How in the hell are you? I know everybody out there, they, they, loves our, they love our small talk, right? They love it when we just BS and catch up on the NBA and, you know, the Edmund Fitzgerald. 
all that good stuff. How am I, Tyler? I'm down in the dumps this morning. My son, you know, is an Iowa graduate, okay? And last night, Michigan basketball went to Iowa, had a seven-point lead with a minute 30 left and lost this baby in OT. They collapsed. Uh, Chrysler Arena is about 15 minutes from my house. Of their nine home games, I've been to seven of them so far. Uh, Pat, my wife's just been to one. Uh, StubHub, buy a single ticket. I'm only going to sit on the uh, lower level. I just love Big Ten basketball, you know? It's, you're gone in two hours, five minutes, 10 minutes. You're out of there. The game's great. So I'm quite disappointed in the blue last night, folding at the end at Carver Hawkeye. <laughs> I'm shocked that you love you Big Ten out. basketball after reestablished your fan of 1960s NBA, right? That, that's about as close as you're going to get to the 1960s style of, of playing basketball. <laughs> Are there uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I haven't watched college basketball game in full and in, in forever, but is it, is the big 10 still kind of sluggish and slow and, you know, seven foot stiffs posting up on the block or, or is it entertaining? Is it up and down? I think it's really entertaining. It's a physical game, you know, um, really evenly matched the bottom teams. Now there is no real bottom teams. Northwestern and Penn state are both competitive this year. Um, they haven't won a national title since 2000, 22 years ago. It's time for the Big Ten to win one. Good players, uh, good teams. They kind of bang each other around during the regular season and fold in the uh, postseason. As an aside, I remember attending a Penn State basketball game as a kid. I, I might have been 10, 11 years old. Uh, I have family from Altoona, Pennsylvania, my dad's uh, sister's family. So we went to a game. I think it was the Crispin brothers. Remember Joe and John Crispin? He broadcast the game last night. He was the analyst. Are you, are you serious? Wow. Yeah. And all I remember is I got picked to do like this trivia contest at halftime and they set it up like a bracket where there's a bunch of people on each side and you kind of worked your way in. And I'm, I'm just a little kid. I made it to the final. And so when they asked a question, it's just the stupid stuff you remember, right? You had to take a step forward. <laughs> So like they asked, and then whoever stepped forward got to answer first. And I just remember the question. It was like, who, something about a North Carolina basketball coach. And I think the answer was Matt Dougherty. Uh, and me and this guy who had a freaking yo-yo, he had to have been in his forties or fifties. And he was just cocky as hell. He just kept playing with his yo-yo the whole time. And we made it to the final. That's what I went against. And we stepped forward at the same time and they gave it to him. They let him answer uh. the, the question. I, I kid you not, everybody was booing because they wanted the little kid to win. You know, they were they were cheering for me. And I knew the answer, too. And they gave it to him. And I don't know, it was like a, a trip to Hershey Park or something like that. So good grief. My, my one Big Ten basketball memory. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. And then we might have even met. God, speaking of the, the fan days as a little kid, I mean, we probably met at one of those old Packer fan fests when I was out there with my family, for all I know. I remember doing like play-by-play -play with my dad and meeting Lori Nickel <laughs> out there. Oh. <laughs> well, Bob, right. the 2022 Green Bay Packers are officially dead. 8-9, lost to the Detroit Lions at Lambeau Field. Not quite the house of horrors that it used to be. Um, it was a strange and lethargic yet predictable conclusion, at least to me. I mean, we've seen this play out kind of like Groundhog's Day, right? Where the offense is just kind of listless and lifeless and there is no passing game in the fourth quarter. Aaron Rodgers against Tampa Bay, NFC Championship, right? When he's on third, third down, rolling right, maybe could have run for it, throws across his body to Devontae Adams' feet. Third down, San Francisco, divisional round. The next year at Lambeau Field has Alan Lazard wide open, um, forces it to Devontae Adams again and just kind of no man's land. And then third down, Detroit, game on the line, pressure in his face, another uh, heave and hope interception. So... We're going to get into the quarterback, the game, um, initial thoughts, Bob. I mean, you've, you haven't only watched the Packers closely this season, but I know you've been watching the Detroit lions very closely. 
And yeah. even though they didn't have anything to play for, I think we both fully expected Dan Campbell to have those guys. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall in that visitor's locker room. You know, the, the motivational tactics by for Campbell, it's like right up his alley. Like, yeah, we're eliminated from the playoffs, but we've got green Bay and, and we've got a chance to end their season. I, they had a lot to play for. So just in the interest of uh, credibility right off the bat, okay, of the four exhibition games for Green Bay, I just saw one and about an hour's worth. That's all I did, okay? And of the 17 games, I saw 16 on TV. This is only the second game I did eight hours of tape on. That was before the last podcast. We did Buffalo, I believe. I think we did right. it after that little midseason game. And then I did the Lions uh, two days ago, that tape. Um, Lions have seen all but one of their games. Green Bay, they're on Fox with the Lions, but because the Lions were always at one, and Green Bay with a lot of doubleheader games and night games, I was able to see both teams uh, all the time except one game. All right, should we go into this game here the other night, T? I'm really a believer in how games start, you know? Right off the bat, you know, Dave, I was wondering if he was going to kick off to Kaysan uh, Nixon. After, you know, I, was out, I mean, he was one of the Packers' most valuable players. I mean, he was unreal this year. Best kick returner they've had in 20-plus years. And, uh, but, but no, FIP kicked off. He wasn't going to squib or do any of that kind of stuff. He kicked off. And, man, the way his special teams guys rallied to the ball, you look at the – you slow down the, uh, the way they attack blockers on those, and they just surrounded him, knocked the living heck out of him. They did it on the opening kickoff. Um, and then right off the bat, just, just so much urgency in Detroit's play and so little urgency in the Packers in terms of pursuit, hard-hitting, knockback on tackles. Uh, they just tackled crisp, crisply the Lions right out of the box. Um, another One other thing I'll just say, you know, the two touchdowns the Lions scored by Jamal Williams, he's standing up on both of them, T. He was not tackled. I mean, that's just... That's t- horrible defense. Those gate, those touchdowns were two one-yard runs, not even tackled. Um, it's kind of a travesty. I mean, really. All right, shall we get to the grades, T? Let's do it. Jump right. right in. So, all right, let's just go the football awards. All right, receivers one and a half, O line one half, QB one. Running back, one half. D-line, two. Linebacker, one. DB, two. Kicker, two. Special teams, one. Overall, one. Um, all right, let's go to the receivers. Um, Look at George Costanza. Was that wrong? Is that bad? Should I not have done that? Like that? That's, that's, uh, those are some rough grades at a rough moment for the Packers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Watson. I mean, he made the one-hand catch for 45. It's a great play. Uh, most of his receptions were off motion. He's a threat running off reverse and, uh, you know, and arounds. Um, Lazard had a bad drop. He's had drops all year. Uh, fourth and one, they lack confidence in their running game. They go to Lazard. Great play by Alex Anzalone. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, 87, two drops, killer drops. I mean, I haven't trusted him since last year's combine, as we discussed when he stayed in his room after the measurements. Um, Tunyon made a tough catch. He's a good 50-50 catcher, made a tough catch for 20, but he's really a non-threat. Um, Mercedes Lewis, the old man, he threw down Kaminsky, who's really had a fine year as a defensive end for the line. He just trashed the guy right off his feet. It was unreal. But then on a bad run, and we'll detail these later, he comes across the formation, has a chance to uh, blow up Kaminsky. He whistles, um, whiffs on a wham block. So that's it on the receivers and the tight ends. Um, I don't know, you know, they can't do much without the ball from the quarterback. We'll get into him later, but certainly not an impressive performance. All right, the old line, really bad, T, really bad. Um, let's just look at the nine bad runs. And this is the only the second game I've done that this year. But I mean, I've done this, the bad run category for 20 years. 
they had nine of them in this game against a, a defense ranked 32nd. They were getting their ass kicked at the point of attack. It was brutal. Home field, they should have the edge, uh, you know, on snap count, getting off the ball. Lions just outplayed these people, man. All right, in chronological order, Aaron Jones, a gain of one. Um, Bugs, the free agent from Alabama. I mean, he, he just trashed uh, Josh Myers, tossed him in a heap, gain of one. All right, Dylan, a carry for no gain. Bugs again, he just sheds uh, Elgin Jenkins, and then Mercedes Lewis missed the, missed the coming across the wham block on uh, Kaminsky. All right, then Aaron Jones again is zero. Um, Nijman, the right tackle, gets knocked back really bad by uh, Benito Jones, 94. And then uh, Bakhtiari did, got absolutely no sustain against uh, Kaminsky. So that's three. Four was on the critical fourth and one. LaFleur, I mean, he didn't trust his run game after the previous play. He tries to run Lazard on the uh, end around. Uh, a great play by Anzalone. I'm not sure who to fault on the blocking. I just think it's an unbelievable read that they didn't expect the guy to make. All right. Uh, Lazard had another game for one in which uh, the tight end, uh, man, T, um, who's 84? Austin Davis or whatever his name is. He missed, uh, he missed 97 uh, Hutchinson out on the flank. Gain of zero by Aaron Jones. Benito Jones uh, sheds Elgin Jenkins. And John Runyon got a reach. Uh, he couldn't execute a reach block against Big. Second half, Aaron Jones, zero. Uh, 50. All these names. To Zach Tom couldn't cut off uh, Aline McNeil. Aaron Jones for one, Runyon couldn't cut off 96 bugs. And finally, Aaron Jones for zero. Myers got, uh, got whipped, he got backdoored by 96 bugs. Nine bad runs by this old line. Uh, I mean, depressing for those coaches to read that. In pass, uh, pass pro, geez. They gave up six pressures, two by Tom, two by Nijman before he got benched in favor of Tom. Uh, the two best players were Bakhtiari and Jenkins, but Bakhtiari was the best clearly over Jenkins. We'll talk about these guys individually next week, okay, T? But, uh, I mean, Aaron Glenn, he only blitzed 24.2%, didn't have to, had solid pressure. It would have been worse on a better track. This Houston guy, the rookie, number 59, James Houston, who had eight sacks this year, Bakhtiari did a nice job against him, but again, it's on a slow, muddy track. This guy, you put him on turf or a warm weather setting, he's a problem for everybody, and fans in Lambo did not see that. So that's the end of the old line. Not much to add here other than, and I think this is going to be a theme over on the defensive side of the ball, these units that we thought could be potentially dominant, at, at moments, never really were. And this game exposed the line for being average to below average to the defense, to the quarterback, and that's how you lose 2016. But, yeah, well well said. Well, let's go to the QB. So with the ground game kind of uh, run aground, it was really left to Rodgers to make some plays. And, you know, the narrative was that they were a dangerous team. Every commentator in the world before this game said, oh, what a dangerous team they're going to be in the playoffs. And then the narrative right off the bat, you know, every telecaster, broadcaster who comes in, does any Packer game, he's one of the all-time greats. And it's just on and on and on. The four MVPs, none of which were voted upon before the, after the playoffs. And it's just, you know, it's one Super Bowl in 15 years. And this was just the latest disappointment when he just played small. Um, first and goal on the five, you know, they fail again. The red zone, they were not a good team. Throws incomplete to Dylan. He had a chance to run, but his burst is kind of gone. Tries to throw the ball a la uh, Patrick Mahomes. Comes up short, field goal. Um, 
one of the two sacks he took, third and five at the Lion 20. He holds the ball. Yeah, you credit Hutchinson with that sack against Neisman, but Runyon really pushed Neisman off of Hutchinson. I gave the sack to Rodgers. He held that ball 4.4 seconds. Um, he's not pulling the trigger the way he used to do, Tyler. Um, you know, one scout one told me who was in his 60s working for an NFL team, he said, Bob, at this point in my career, I see everything in uh, shades of gray. He said, when I was in my 30s and 40s, I would see it black or white. And I, I kind of relate that to Rodgers. I think he's seen things in gray. We can talk about his receivers. I mean, he's had four months with these guys. And, you know, that's not a that's a pretty weak secondary back there. And um, stuff just didn't happen. You know, he threw seven deep lobs, so to speak, on this one, you know. He got the 46-yard pass interference right off the bat. They failed in the red zone. He got a field goal. And then he threw the great catch that Watson caught for 45. Otherwise, he missed Dobbs on a, a free play. He threw late to Aaron Jones down that left side. Um, on the right side, it was when the safety, um, Kirby Joseph, should have had that interception. It was nearly intercepted. I mean, Rodgers could have had three picks in this game. Then he did have the interception on the ball, of the, wheel, the long wheel route to Jones that was thrown with too high of a trajectory. That was called back by penalty uh, against Bakhtiari. Good call on uh, Kaminsky. He threw high to uh, Lazard on the left sideline when it certainly appeared he had number nine Watson open. Um, and then the interception at the end of the game when he, you know, he's under pressure. Aaron Glenn, give him credit. The seven-man pressure worked. Um, he just said, okay, Rogers, you beat me and he couldn't do it. And Joseph picked that and he walks off the field cursing who, I don't know, he's cursing the receiver, the coaches, his fate. Um, not exactly a, a one for all guy, you know, one for me. Um, LaFleur had to waste a timeout at one point that they did all year when the clock was coming to zero. That's on Rogers. And then a play or two later, they took a delay penalty. Again, that's on Rodgers. He made one play. His cadence finally worked, and he got James Houston to jump offside on fourth and six. Um, the, last, the last possession, you know, Tyler? I mean, we've seen this in all these playoff elimination games, at least the last three. Um, six snaps, 12 yards, ends with the pick, the walk-off. Uh, you know, this team, I'm going to count this as a playoff elimination game, okay? So he's been eliminated. Packers have been eliminated under Rodgers 11 times. He's 2-8-1 and one against the spread in those 11 games. Favored five times, underdog in six. Three of them are in overtime. Defense was the problem in many of those early games, although he didn't play well either. We could go all the times he was outplayed by Kaepernick and, you know, whatever. But, I mean, he just hasn't – the last three elimination games, Green Bay has scored 13, 20, and 16. The narrative is, uh, is just flat wrong nowadays. It's just – it's a joke. All right, anything you want to mention on the QBT? You know what, what really surprises me is – I mean, there's obvious physical decline – in Aaron Rodgers' game, um, you know, he's not as mobile. He doesn't just escape out of jams like he like he used to. Remember how dangerous he was outside of the pocket? And how it, if he got out of there, you know, you just knew he was going to make a play. He was going to, you know, that second reaction, it was like the play really began once you pressured Aaron Rodgers. And he just turned it into whatever he wanted to. Street ball, working outside the confines of the offense. Well, that that's gone. That's been gone for a while. And people can blame the receivers around him all they want. But what stands out even more than, than the physical decline, the athletic decline, the, you know, the lack of arm strength. I don't want to say arm talent. I hate it when people say arm talent. What the hell does that even mean? Um, he's not seeing the field. <laughs> I mean, you just hit on it. He had open receivers. He just didn't see them, didn't hit them. Uh, it's weird to see the mental side of the game fade in Aaron Rodgers, right? He really um, casts himself as this 
ultra, ultra cerebral, worldly, brilliant human being who is just above and beyond intellectually anything that we can really comprehend down below. And that, that doesn't really manifest. There's a word he likes. That doesn't, doesn't manifest itself onto the field. That's what popped to me this game. I mean, you zoom out, you look at this offense, and you just mentioned a few plays. Guys are getting open. Uh, he isn't seeing them. He isn't hitting them. So that's probably the narrative that would drive me nuts if I'm a Green Bay Packer receiver. And that kind of like stayed true all season long from the opener on through that they just were a bunch of bums and, and weren't getting open. And yeah, I mean, they are they an elite group of receivers? No. You mentioned the drops that Lazard's had, but yeah, it, 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 this is a four-time MVP. This is a guy who's got numbers and a lot of regular season wins and he'll be in the hall of fame. But what what he is right now is a shell of himself. And that's probably what surprised me more than anything. Just his inability to really read the whole field and hit the open receivers and just take what's there. And it's got to drive Matt LaFleur nuts. He'll never call him out in a press conference, but when he's got Christian Watson, open up the seam or something and he's not, not hitting them. I mean, that's, that's, that's designed in the offense. I mean, I would think that's a read that you should see as the quarterback and hit. He's not hitting it. Another season's over. Um, and the few plays he has made this year, Tyler, again, it's on that second reaction. Invariably, it's when he does run up through the pocket or escape, spin to his left, or primarily run up through the pocket. It doesn't happen. It's much more infrequent. But that's when he does make the plays. It's when the classic, he doesn't play under center hardly anymore. He's in the gun, takes a couple steps back. You know, it's like a three, 3.5 second release or 2.8 maybe. And deliver the ball to an on-target receiver. They don't make those plays anymore. He just doesn't do it. You just don't see it. You, so, you see the fade, the long lob to the outside where he knows he can't be intercepted most of the time, right? He can look a safety off. This Joseph's got a lot of, a lot of skills. Um, and he'll lob, he can lob those things into the bucket. He can do that all day long at training camp. That he can do. But the shot, you know, the dig, the 25-yard gun, he has the arm to do it, but I don't think he has the nerve, will, or sight, as you just mentioned, yeah, vision. Are you, see, are you seeing the same thing that I think I'm seeing with the sight, with the vision, and just missing guys? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the camera cuts to him as he's going to the sideline and he's, you know, swearing and throwing up bombs and pissed off. And most of the time it, it seemed to be like he's directing it toward a teammate or a receiver. Hell, maybe he's mad at himself. He just can't do what he used to do. Maybe. He's not seeing what he used to see. This is a quarterback in objective decline. So if you want to pay him all this money and uh, scramble around him and try to piece together a contender. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We'll, we'll, we'll think big picture right. next week, but yeah, th that, that that's the, that's the number one problem for this team is the quarterback is making about double what he should given his play. And really everyone knows they're not going to win a super bowl or even reach a super bowl with this guy anymore. I mean, they're just not, it's not going to happen, you know? Okay. Let's go to the running backs. Aaron Jones. Um, boy, Tyler, he had a killer fumble against the Bucks two years ago in that playoff game in the third quarter. And then he had a killer fumble in this one. Man. You know, on that fumble, though, I will say this. Kaminsky dropped back. They had a zone blitz by Aaron Glenn. And he dropped back about 10 yards uh, straight out from Bakhtiari. So then Bakhtiari went out to get him on that, on that uh, some kind of, I can't remember what it was, a bubble screen or something, Aaron Jones. And he only partially blocked Kaminsky. And it was Kaminsky hustling like all these Lions do who went over and forced that fumble out of Jones. So if Bakhtiari gets off his butt and makes a better block in the open field, Kaminsky's not there and this fumble never happens. Small things, you know. Uh, Jones played on a bad ankle, right, T? I think he did down the stretch here. Uh, he broke three tackles in this game, but when he fumbled, they had a nine, three lead, you know, and it was a massive thing. All right, Dylan, you know, the Packers drafted this guy in the second round. 
couple, three years ago. Three years, this is his third year, right? Yeah. And it was to replace Jamal Williams, who wasn't going to cost a ton, but he had played four years. Tyler, he's playing the same way then as he is now. He's the exact same player. An unbelievable locker room presence. Fans love this guy. You saw him on hard knocks. I mean, he's just, man, he's salt of the earth. I love this guy. You could go back and read my rating the Packers ever after all his games. I love this guy. And he's just flat better than uh, Dylan. I mean, he just is. Yeah. yeah. He, you know, Dylan, for all his size, boy, those two scouts who told me back before he was drafted out of BC, that for all his size, he does not run that hard. And he really doesn't. He is not. He gets knocked back in this game several times. You're thinking, what? On his field with his fans? But then worse, you know, he hasn't really advanced in the passing game. Uh, he had the drop on the sideline, which was did not help. And then at the end, the last play of the game, he blows that damn blitz pickup against uh, Anzalone, who came on a little cross dog, 34. And uh, Dylan didn't see it, went the other way. Anzalone came in untouched. Rodgers was drilled right as he threw the ball, put it up there, and, you know, the rookie came over and made the pick to uh, and, and stamp him out. Terrible mistakes. He's not good in the passing game. Aaron Jones is not great in the, as a pass blocker anymore either, but he's better than Dylan. Uh, disappointment by Dylan. Uh, Degora, you know, I've kind of liked him. I mean, he's not a third-round pick. He should be a sixth or a seventh. You know, they wasted the three on him right after Dylan. It's never, it's never materialized. Uh, he's blocked pretty well. I just don't think he hits a moving target very, very well. And he's not a threat in the passing game. How many catches did he have? He had six. No, he had, yeah, six. Where is Degora? He had 13. Okay, that's it on the offense, T. Anything you want to mention there? No, I think you, uh, I think you nailed it. Eager to. A very eager to, to talk big picture, but we'll we'll save all of that for yeah for next week. I mean, you know, you know how much I've loved AJ Dillon. It, it's hard to it's hard to disagree though. I mean, Jamal Williams, it's like he's fighting for his life every carry, right? I, that's what you want out of every player at any position. He brings it, and we had a such such a phenomenal conversation um, ahead of the season for a Q and A at Go Long, and he basically came out and like detailed his whole plans for for how he's going to change the way everybody thinks about the Detroit Lions let me just while I have it up here let me just read his quote yeah Uh, he says uh (laughs) he goes look at our season we have no primetime games all them mother effers are in the are in the effing morning that shit pisses me off too I'm like damn you mother effers really think we're an in the morning team that shit pisses me off so bad that we should whip everybody's ass in the morning when they think, and then he changes voice to all oh, the lions. It's going to be an easy ass game yawning and shit in the morning and not taking it serious because we're the lions. I've done it before. Trust me being with the Packers. I've done it. I've thought the lions were nothing. I've done it before, but now that I'm here, it's effort. They think we can't do shit. We're going to beat their ass. That's my mindset. That's the mindset you have to have. I feel like that's what I need for this year to keep going. Which, well, f- full circle, right? I mean, they have a primetime game against Green Bay, and they, they played like that. Um, yeah, a national treasure, Jamal Williams, one of, one of the absolute best. He said the same stuff when he was in Green Bay. You just love the darn guy. Now, he lost a game for Detroit when he fumbled on the goal line. You know, he had zero fumbles in four years at Green Bay. Zero, Tyler. And yeah. I think he, this might have been his first of his career. I'm not sure of that. Let me see how many he had this year. He had... My Lions stats. Uh, God, he fumbled three times, lost two. Holy man, Jamal. I take it all back. He's a bum. But he was just so crestfallen. But he took, you know, yeah. after that game, I don't, I don't remember which one it was. Um, but, yeah, he's something else. All right, let's go to the D, okay? Um. You know, there was some good signs early. I mean, they kind of stopped the uh, the run game of Detroit. 
early, but then, you know, they're kind of patient. Ben Johnson, he's patient with the thing. That's what Campbell wants to do. And they ended up averaging 4.2, 25 for 104. And Williams was 16 for 72. All right, Kenny Clark. You know, since they lost Dean Lowry about a month ago, they kind of moved Clark to either three or five technique in their base front. He was off the nose and then Slayton played the nose. I thought he did some good things in this game. They lined him up over uh, the Lions' weakest offensive lineman, Evan Brown, who filled in for Vitae, and he's really a better center. And uh, Clark got after him. There was some penetration. He did some things. Um, uh, he had a, mm, let's see. Yeah, so I thought he showed a little bit, a little bit better. Now, I, he had a, certainly had an off year. We'll get into that later. But I thought this was okay. But then in that winning touchdown, he just got destroyed by Panay Sewell. Uh, not good. That was one-on-one. -on -one. That was bad. Um, so he was their best player. All right, Jerron Reed. He shed Frank Ragnow, and that led to that when Swift had to bounce way out to the left and got tackled by who was it, Savage for minus four. Well, really, it was on Reed who, uh, who got rid of Ragnow, the, the excellent center. Um, late in the game, he got KO'd by the guard, Jonah Jackson, carried by 11 for Williams down the stretch. That wasn't good. All right, Slayton, he, I would say he was their best point of attack guy down the stretch and in this game. He made a tackle for no gain early. Again, at the, at the end, they faded. He got killed on a carry by Williams for nine yards. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, he played, uh, you know, with Lowry gone, he had to play some down the stretch. And he played 32 snaps in this one, uh, same number as Slayton. All right, Wyatt, you know, he was fairly, I didn't like him when I saw him a little bit in that exhibition game. I thought it was brutal at the point. That's, I think, one of the reasons he didn't play this year. Um, but I thought he was pretty stout. He had a really nice sack against Evan Brown. Excellent. Uh, point of attack, he got blown out on a carry for nine. And then he got trapped twice on third and sixth. You know, the Lions will run the ball with Swift on third and long. And they ran that thing up the middle for 11 when they trapped Wyatt. He didn't see it coming. He got drilled out of there, gain of 11. And on the winning touchdown, he got trapped again. And that's when Williams went up standing up. Um, we'll get into Wyatt's uh, behavior on the ejection of his ex-college teammate, Walker. We'll get into that later. Um, okay, that's it for the D-lineman. They played four guys. Lowry wasn't there. And we haven't seen the rookie Jonathan Ford all year. So that's it on the D-line, T. All right, let's go to the linebackers. Keep it moving. Let's start. Let's Sorry, start I, was, with was mu I muted myself there because I uh, when you, when you get rolling, I just shut myself up, Bob, and let you do your thing. <laughs> All right, should we? We'll go to the linebackers, okay, T. All right, Quay Walker. We'll get into his season next week, okay? Um, you know, he's kind of a waist tackler, a puller, and he's so strong and he's knocking uh, Williams and others back early. He's a forceful guy. He just kind of envelops these people, and I liked him. Um, he had a bad miss against Swift at the end of the half that led to a field goal. It was over on the Lions sideline. It was a bad miss. Then let's go to the penalty, okay? Um, I've since learned that was the Lions orthopedic surgeon in the blue coat. Orthopedic surgeon. And when you look, Walker's, he's standing over He's standing over the fallen Swift who got hit in the head that they didn't even see by Reed. And then his knee or ankle was stuck under there. It looked like a serious injury, but it wasn't. He came back in the game done later on. But why was he just standing so close? Okay, so that's the start of it. Then the orthopedic surgeon, the two trainers were out there. And then he comes on the field a little bit later, 15 seconds later. And he just tries to, to get in next to the guy, to his his player and he just he didn't shoulder him or push walker he just kind of you know without saying excuse me would you just give me some room pal and walker takes one step back and then i wouldn't even call it a shove it's a push but it's right in front of the officials you know you're pushing a a civilian i mean it's absurd you know it's just absurd 
And then here comes Wyatt, you know, and he's going to come sidling over there like a big tough guy. And what does he does? Gives one of those bumps, right, T? You know, he bumps the doctor who has his back to him, you know, a real tough guy. You know, people, people rip me for using the Wonderlic test score. And I always say that I'm just trying to give re my readers as much information as I can. And that's part of the equation. And you can say that it's a small part of the equation. You can argue whatever you want. But I know what NFL teams think of this test, and they think a lot of it, and they always have. And that's why it hasn't gone away. All right, Quay Walker, this is his second ejection. I mean, everybody knew this. He had a nine test score. And people with that test score tend to make bad mistakes. Now, here comes Wyatt across, right? What's his score? Eight. The Packers added these players. They didn't have to add these guys. They added them from the national championship defense. Sometimes you get what you paid for, and they got it here. Wyatt could have been penalized, too. All right. Um, elsewhere, Campbell comes back. We'll get into him. He didn't play as good this year, but we'll get into that next, next year. In a physical game on a sloppy track, he really was invisible. He does not give you any take on. He is not a knockback tackler. It's just what he is. He, he played great last year, primarily in coverage. He got his money, and now he's wasn't the player we saw this year that was last year. All right, on the outside, uh, really zip. They lost Rashawn Gary, and that was a tremendous blow. This was a team that really got a, a break from the injuries this year. Um, but Gary was the one guy that they really missed, and they missed him. And so Anik Bari, the rookie from South Carolina, I've kind of liked what he's done this year, but he was uh, invisible in this game. Hollins, the ex-Ram. I mean, all these guys they've tried. Hamilton, Garvin, Galea, all those bodies they've tried. Who was the ex-Merciless uh, last year? All these guys they've tried to get a, a third man. They never replaced it, Arias Smith. And Hollins was zip. All right, let's go to Preston Smith. Uh, how many pressures? He had, he had one hurry in this game. You know, at the end, Tyler, gain of six, he got caught inside, peeking inside. Then third and eight at the Packer 31, they're trying to get that uh, winning touchdown. Gets caught inside, gain of 11 right around him. Played poorly. Bad game for Preston Smith. Barry eventually blitzed 36.1% in this game. Uh, pass rush was pretty much null and void. That's it on the linebackers, T. I'm just thinking of all these veterans who have kind of come, come through there. You know who, who another one is? Jalen Smith, who actually has been really, really good for the New York Giants this season. Has he really? He started 11 games, 88 tackles, a sack. Um, wow. I mean, I feel like you watch a game, he's he's in the action. I don't know, he's starting for him. I know they, they don't have a lot of talent, but they're in the playoffs, and he's a yeah, he's the reason why. It looked, it looked like his career was, was dead in 2021. He toggled between, what, Dallas, Green Bay, to the Giants, kind of mm -hmm. latched on there at the end of the season, and we didn't do anything in Green Bay. Two games, nothing. Uh, right. I'll yeah, I do wonder. Weekend. I mean, if we'll, we'll talk about this next week, but the coaching, the, the coordinator, you know, if we learned anything out there on the beat, I, Mike McCarthy was always really steadfast in not making big changes. And I think that Dom Capers did a lot of good, you know, a lot of turnovers. And when that defense was really firing, it was – it. it I mean, it, it really was. I mean, they, they they won some games with their defense. They forced some turnovers. But in retrospect, maybe doing something bold would have paid off and mm -hmm. going a different direction. They they clearly made the wrong hire here, but it doesn't sound like they're going to do anything about it. All right, the DBs. Um, let's start with the positive. Knock Adrian Amos all you want, you know, but he's the one guy back there who's who's interested in throwing his head in there doing the tough stuff. I respect this guy a lot. I mean, 
all their hard tackles for a defense that really wasn't getting after it the way the Lions were. This guy is. I mean, he is a consistent hitter. All the physical play that you need, the hitting people, that's what football is. Amos does it. Yeah, he showed a bad angle on that flea flicker touchdown at J-Mo Williams that got called back. Yeah, he, you see him exposed in coverage. We know that. And he's going to be unrestricted. We'll get into that, you know, what, what they do with him. But I still like the guy. Okay, the other safety, uh, Rudy Ford. You know, he ran 4-3-9 as kind of a cornerback coming out of Auburn in 2017. And he's done some things. He had three picks this year, you know, some long runbacks. But again, you know, he's kind of tight, and the Lions knew that. And and the one bomb in this game was because he's tight. You know, he's in center field, and they matched up little Raymond with him, who's had a terrific year. And uh, and he when he flipped his hips, he just wasn't quick enough getting back to Raymond, and the result was that 43-yard bomb. I kind of like Ford, but I don't like him as a starter. All right, let's go to the Savage. So Savage gets benched, benched at mid-year, way too many missed tackles. You know, just a bad draft pick. And uh, so then Ford comes in, takes the job. They move Savage to eventually move him to the slot. And he made a great breakup in this game to a Raymond on third nine. It was just terrific stuff. Uh, he made a nice tackle for loss on the, on the ball that uh, Reed forced outside for minus four. And he almost had a pick six at the end of the game there on a, on a really nice breakup. Um, but then on that flea flicker, you know, he's the one who bit on that bomb to, uh, to Williams, 67 yards or six, whatever it was on the over route. He bit on that thing. Terrible. He was playing safety on the play. And then, uh, okay. Then, you know, on that final drive, it's third and five. I mean, the final touch, I don't remember which one it was. One of those last two drives, maybe it was the final. So uh, St. Brown comes in motion from left to right, and they're in man, and Savage has got to run behind the line of scrimmage and, and go cover the guy. And I've seen Brown do this all year. He just he gets half a step on somebody. He cuts to the sideline, and Goff just trusts the living heck out of him, and he just throws him the ball, and it's the yardage they need. Savage doesn't recognize it. He doesn't go full speed. He just kind of goes to 80% speed, and – you know, the ball's thrown over there, plus six, led to a field goal. Just didn't show anticipation or hustle. All right, let's go to the corner. All right, Douglas. You know, he acts like a tough guy. He's six, one and a half, 200. He looks like a tough guy, but he's not. He's been a really poor tackler all year. And you could see it on that third and 10 over there when they threw the ball over to Justin Jackson, the third string back. And he splits Savage and uh, Douglas for a gain of 11 on third and 10. The guy wouldn't even sell out on that situation. Stands up, you know, chicken fights. Looks like he's going through the effort. Um, we'll talk about the rest of Douglas's game next week. Okay, let's, let's go to Alexander. Um, it looked like he got toasted deep by, by Williams, but the ball wasn't thrown. Looked like he was peaking. The ball wasn't thrown in the first half. And then obviously the uh, the fourth and two, when he's playing seven yards off, six to seven yards off, and they run the two-man game and they throw the ball to Shark for three on fourth and two. I heard uh, Goff, I happened to be in the car a couple of days ago, and I heard Goff on Detroit radio. He says, yeah, if they're lining up seven yards away, he said, we'll take that all day. And Goff doesn't talk like that, but right. I don't know I what that too. I don't know what he's thinking on the play. But these are, you know, I'm citing small plays, but in a four-point game, in an elimination game, on your home field, you just can't make these mistakes. Um, that's it. We'll get in all the tackling by these guys next week. Okay, T? That's it there. Kickers? No? Okay, the kickers. Crosby? I admire the guy, too. He hits from 22, 49, and 48. He kept him in the game. I mean, on that stuff, he's hitting from 49 and 48 off that track. 
that guy's remarkable. And then he misses from 53, dead center off the crossbar. He got a, you know, he got screwed on the thing. His kickoffs, uh, he averaged 62.2. His hang time wasn't good, but it's never good this time of year. 3.49. Um, covered kicks well. All right. O'Donnell, we'll talk about him next week. He punted once. It was 37 net. That's it on the kickers. All right, special teams. You know, I love Nixon. This guy, speed and power, no fear. I mean, I've loved this guy this year. He's just been unreal, but he really got stifled. He did have a 30-yard uh, gain, in which he broke a tackle by Justin Jackson. Um, and he had a 16-yard punt return, but, boy, he lost that fumble on that punt return. He was ruled down, but that was close. Um, Coco, the new long snapper, he had a low snap on a field goal, but uh, it was held well by O'Donnell, who is a good holder, and Crosby made the kick. And then let's go to uh, the penalty on Rasul Douglas. Tyler, I still don't really know. I tried, I tried to listen to his explanation, and I don't really get it. Do you? I don't know what he was yeah. doing. He didn't want them to just get a free kick, right? Free, like, uh, what do you mean a free kick? I could be wrong, but Green Bay called a timeout, right, on the play. Um, let's look it up, okay? Hold on, I got the play-by-play. Uh, it was almost kind of like a a basketball player getting a free shot in after a whistle's blown, just to kind of get a practice shot in and. Douglas was like, no, you're not going to get that free kick. I'm not going to let you do that. Now, obviously what he did after the fact is cheap shot somebody um, with which he uh, owned up to, but okay, it was bizarre. <laughs> it was bizarre. Moronic might be better. Turns a 48 yard <laughs> field goal to, to 33. Well, the, yeah, I mean, the, the, the penalty was what he did after the fact, right? He lit, he lit right. the guy up. Yeah, he goes and grabs the ball, and then Skipper, the six-eight backup guard, who's not very good, goes and gives him a light push, and then he he delivers a blow to the face. No, it wasn't overly hard, but when you hit a guy in the mask and the upside the helmet, you're going to get nailed. So Lafleur was trying to call timeout to ice the kicker. I think that's what was happening, Tyler, and Douglas, yep. and Douglas wanted to prevent that. Exactly. So he did <laughs> goes in and grabs the ball and takes a 15. By the way, his Wonderlick score is 20. I looked it up, okay? So he's good. He's good there. <laughs> he clears. He clears. It's not all single digits doing nutty stuff. Uh, but there is a general right, lack of discipline. I, I mean, that's coaching. That's that's definitely endemic of a, of a larger problem. And this isn't the first and last time this stuff's happened to this team through the year. I remember one time Johnny Holland in Mike Holmgren's uh, first year, Johnny Holland had a roughing penalty on the Packers sideline at Lambeau and Holmgren like ran down there and just went nuts. And then he just went nuts the next couple of days in his press conference, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, we will not have that here. And just, you know, and his teams were really lightly penalized. And LaFleur really over see there, that. be smart, be smart, he's saying, be smart to uh, Walker. It was a sorry performance, T. It really was. It absolutely was. Um, well, Aaron Rodgers did assure the Packers that he won't hold them quote unquote hostage. So that's nice. Right. He's Creamy. not going not gonna to deploy the, um, the friends and the surrogates to trash the Packers for months on end. You never really know, but then Brian Gutekind said while we're recording this, he had a press conference and said how he respects Aaron Rodgers is uh process wants to give him space give him time i know we're going to get into it next week and i want to give you time to, to think about what exactly you want to get into bob but any any thoughts on the future of 
the team, more specifically the quarterback position? No, Tyler, not right now. I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> Let's give me a Fair few enough. days. <laughs> there's a te there's a tease of all teases. <laughs> all right, can we have them again, memory? On some brighter oh, moments. Oh, yes. I knew we were forgetting something. Yeah, definitely. Some some brighter moments in the Lion Packers series, okay? So the Lions swept the Packers this year. And they also swept them during the Green Bay's losing seasons in 18 and 2017. But prior to 17, it had been a 26-year drought hmm. from 91 to 2017 when the Packers had not been swept by the Detroit Lions. 26 years. So we'll go back to uh, 92 when the Packers had a sweep and when this domination of the Lions began, okay? This is the first year of Favre, Holmgren, Wolf. Um, December 7, 6, 1992. Now, the week before, they had played the Buccaneers down at Milwaukee County Stadium. This is the third last year at County Stadium. They pulled out in 94. So this, I just want to let fans know what it was like 30 years ago, okay? So I was at the Milwaukee Journal at the time, my second year, and we were an afternoon paper. So the Packers were having problems selling tickets for the game against Detroit the next week, also at County Stadium. Weird. Back-to-back -back games at County Stadium. Really weird. I so see it now, yeah. The Packers yeah. got a hold of us that Monday morning. They must have called the desk. I'm reading the, the paper on uh, – and Bob Harlan announced that uh, – the game had been blacked out in Milwaukee because Tampa Bay, only 49,000 were there at the Tampa Bay game on November 29. But it looked good, but they still had to sell 1,500 tickets for the Lions game the following Sunday. So uh, Marge Paget, we interviewed her, interviewed her. She was the Packer ticket director, old Marge in Milwaukee. She said the number of unsold tickets had been reduced to 1,500. We're tr they're trying to avoid the blackout and to make some money. Money counted. The gate counted 30 years ago, Tyler. Okay. It's amazing. <laughs> and Bob said, Bob Harlan called our desk. I mean, this is where you sell tickets through the newspaper. And Bob said, quote, we've there, oh, there were 3,200 tickets unsold at this time before a week ago before the buck game. And Bob said, we've never gone into a week with over 3,000 tickets to sell and gotten rid of them before the 72-hour blackout went into effect. Uh, he said the tickets were available now for 27, 24, and 20 bucks at the Packers County Stadium ticket office. And Marge said, uh, Marge said, we think we can do it. She said, uh, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> I gotta read this quote. Oh, here we go. Business is good, Marge said. The lines are busy. They were lined up outside the old county stadium ticket window. It's slow when you're dealing with twos and ones, you know, people buying two and one, but I think we might do it. Well, it was a sellout. It was on TV in Milwaukee. And the Lions came to town. Now, the year before in 91, Barry Sanders' third year, the Lions had advanced to the NFC title game. That's right. And the next year in 93, they won the NFC Central. They've not won it since, Tyler, a 29-year drought. But in this game, the Packers showed you what they had going. Holmgren scripted the first 25 plays, just like his mentor, Bill Walsh. And in those first uh -huh. four possessions in the first half, they had the ball four times in the first half, all touchdowns, 28-0. They beat the Lions 38-10. Snow-covered field, wind chill at five degrees. It's the way it was back then. I mean, it was cold a lot, you know? And uh, it was just a dominant performance. And they fell short, you know? They finished nine and seven, but they did not make the, uh, the playoffs. And let's just see. I mean, they... Uh, Wayne Fonts, the Lion mentor, said they took our defense apart. 
Rodney Pete lost his memory after after he was hit early in the game. So Wayne had to put in Andre Ware, the uh, the first round draft yeah. pick. In that cold, and they're used to Ford Field over in Detroit, or excuse me, the Silverdome at that point. Andre Ware fumbled five times and was rushed heavily. So that's it. So uh, that began the sweep, and they dominated those Lions. What were they? Twenty-eight and three against the Lions at Lambeau in the last thirty-one. Yeah. Now the Lions over here, you know, the press corps and media and TV think that the worm is turned. They think the Lions have the advantage. I'm not so sure of that. I know how good the Lion Packers are. I know the advantages the Packers they have of money, stadium, undying fan support. No matter what, they're going to be at that stadium, back in this team, field conditions, weather, uh, consolidated leadership that's going to funnel money into this. I know how tough they're going to be to catch, but right now they're third in the division. Detroit's two, and we shall see. We'll talk about that again next week, right, T? <laughs> you just got my mind racing here. I had flashbacks to uh, the. this would have been the last season I covered the Packers that the Journal set in, I believe, 2014. I'm like, I think I did a story on this, and I think I was writing it on the airplane back from Buffalo to Green Bay. Cause I remember how I'd, I'd fly home for Christmas day, spend a day or two with the fan that come back. And I did, I, I did, I found it on, on Google. It came out Christmas day, 2014 players recall last time lions beat the Packers in Wisconsin. And I talked to Daryl Thompson and Leroy Butler, who else Vince workman. Um, and they, they remembered <laughs> They remembered it was, uh, let's see, it was cold, obviously. 91, I Minus think. 90 and 91 yep. beat them. December 15th, 1991. Uh, Workman, Thompson, Butler. So Leroy, Leroy said, I just remember we sucked and it sucked to lose. I was jealous of seeing a team that was so good and we were so bad. You know what I said? <laughs> this has to stop. I don't like losing like this to division opponents at home. <laughs> and then it stopped. Who of it? Vince Vince Workman was great too. What what's something he said? Good here? guy. We were sliding and we couldn't get enough traction to get in the lane. So the best thing he did was just go straight ahead. Oh yeah, that's right. Mel Gray had that big return. But yeah, it's great. I mean, I just love learning about those those old Packer teams. You know, they're kind of forgotten. That's maybe that's why we're all drawn to Don Mikowski and like that '89 team is just such a blip in the radar. Like that was a great team and and some forgotten years, but. I always love learning um, those moments from you, Bob. So thanks for sharing. That was great. It, it was really fun doing that 13-part series, you know, and especially revisiting these the, the 80s teams that I covered. Yeah, oh. it was really fun ranking those players in with the modern-day guys. Yeah, it was fun. I'm going to link uh, that series in, in this post if, if people are listening. So definitely surf through it. You know, you'll have fun. I'm sure we'll dust off some some good memories, some bad memories for all the fans out there. But yeah, definitely stay tuned. We're gonna reconvene to talk about the Green Bay Packers and where the Green Bay Packers go from here. So until then, Bob, thanks so much for doing this. Anything else? Shall we, shall we tease the next McGinn files? Yes. Oh my you know, goodness. Now that, we're, now that we're talking about these two teams and some of these games. Um, you know, I was just reading here, hold on, in this game in 92, um, it's going to be on Barry Sanders, the next McGinn file, right at the end of the story, Sanders was, I'm writing, Sanders was his usual amazing self, darting and dodging behind a young and untalented offensive line for 114 yards on 16 carries. You know, I mean, the guy... All right, so he's fantastic, right? I cannot wait to read that. I think, you know, for my money, Barry Sanders, I mean, I'm only 35, so take it for what it's worth. He's the, he's the most entertaining player I've ever watched, maybe the best player I've ever watched. Just unbelievable. He's got to be up there for you, too. And you, 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 you go back a few more years. I saw three fantastic backs that I covered the Packers that could – there aren't many backs in this modern football that can win a game by themselves, just turn the whole thing. 
I saw three, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, and Adrian Peterson. Hmm. They're really something. And they could beat the Packers by themselves, you know, and they did at times. Yeah, that finale in... 2012 i want to say at the the old metrodome remember adrian peterson that day i mean he just i mean christian ponders the quarterback he just willed the vikings to that win now granted they came to lambeau field a week later and joe webb and the gang couldn't get it done but that that was unbelievable i'm with you on adrian peterson we forget how talented he was on some real bad teams at times quarterback play i should say He's so Rogers, Rogers out was able to outduel Joe Webb in that one, huh? He was, he was, and then he he had Colin Kaepernick the week after that. It still blows my mind how they were so unprepared for the read option stuff. When when Joe Webb that I want to say that first drive they went right down the field on Green Bay with the option. I remember, and they they just stopped doing it. They had nothing else to really do. They just for whatever reason stopped. But 49ers saw it, used it, and I think Kaepernick ran for a buck 81. So, one more little thing, Tyler. Um, Amon Green is the Packers' all time leading rusher, statistically, right? Would you take him over Peyton, Sanders, or Peterson? No. I agree. I love Amon Green, but no, those guys were. superstars i loved what you said about jim taylor though and and that that might have been one of my favorite parts of your series like just your the old timers the players you enjoyed watching i yeah when when i kind of get lost in the old grainy footage of those those 60 teams man he's that that power sweep it's just hard to beat jim taylor around in the bend all right Let's cut it off right there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, it was like old times, Bob. Always, always great to uh, to run through the position by position, and, and cannot wait for next week when we bring it full circle, think big picture, and try to make sense of this team. So, until next time, this is GoLongTD.com and the great Bob McGinn and myself, Tyler Dunn, signing off. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.